And we're at a dozen. Welcome to episode 12 of The Cabin, Discover Wisconsin's own podcast. I'm Eric Paulson, and with me virtually is Mariah Haberman. I am. Here All I right. am. <laughs> and we also have Audio Dave at his respective place. I'm here too. And Ellen, hello. Hello. And my name's Eric Paulson. Welcome to The Cabin. If you're new to The Cabin, and a lot of people are, with being... Uh, safer at home, stuck at home, quarantined, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Mariah and I, along with Dave, Audio Dave, and Ellen, we talk yeah, about all kinds audio. of- Talk about all kinds of things, Wisconsin, sometimes related to our TV show, which of course we'll be talking about uh, ahead of our Johnson Creek episode appearing, and otherwise all kinds of cool topics, including our campfire conversation and everything. So we've got a lot for you today. By the way, saying audio Dave without the audio, in my opinion, is like saying Sir Elton John without the Sir. Or you the Elton. Need, or the Elton. <laughs> it's crazy that I went so many years of my life without referring to myself as audio Dave. Well, didn't you have an identity crisis for the first 20 some? How old are you? You're 27? I'm 28. 28. Okay. Didn't you, was it like, you just didn't know who you were until you. Yeah. For a while I was biochemistry, Dave. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 But here you are. Here this, I is am. Your, this is your true calling. It's fine. <laughs> yes. All right. Should we get started? We've, we've got a special salute in this particular episode because uh, Earth Day as we yes. speak is coming up. We're celebrating Earth Day. I'm so excited. Hooray. Yeah. Someone needs to give some attention. That was the most Wisconsin yeah, by the way. Did you hear oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard it. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. embarrassing. Oh, but anyway. Sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but we are going to talk about, oh, we're going to honor Earth Day. I'll say that. We're going to honor Earth Day by discussing one of my personal favorite Wisconsin topics, which is Wisconsin State Parks. But we are going to think outside of the Devil's Lake State Park box. So I know y'all love, I know, I know, controversial. I know y'all love Devil's Lake and we do too, but we're going to throw some state parks at you that you've probably never been to. You might not even heard of some of these state parks. Yeah, some of, the, some of the state parks that get a lot of love, like Peninsula and Devil's Lake and a bunch of others. And we've talked about many state parks before. We, in the, the state parks we're going to talk about today have not been brought up before on this podcast. <gasps> I'm so excited. I know. So shout out to Gaylord Nelson and the establishment of Earth Day, our own senator who led the march for Earth Day. Thank you so much, Gaylord Nelson. Yes, he was from Polk County. He was. I want to say. Very cool. nice. But happy well, 50, sure, but yeah. 50 years to Earth Day. He launched the first Earth Day. of Earth Day. April 22nd, tomorrow. 1970 is the day he launched it. So it's the 50th anniversary is one day from our speaking right now. Amazing. Isn't it? Whether we're all together inside the cabin or all in separate places, we can still enjoy that beautiful music. And of course, the cabin is presented by the Wisconsin Counties Association. And this week we're featuring Chippewa County, great county, home of Lining Kugel's beer, of course. Have you been to the Lining's Lodge? If you haven't, it is a must-stop. Next time you're in the area, we've filmed there a couple of times, right, Mariah? Yeah, we sure have. Always a great time. Chippewa Falls, of course, the county seat, beautiful town. Just to the east of Chippewa Falls is Lake Wasota State Park, uh, which is a gorgeous park, beautiful lake along the Chippewa River, and of course, famously referred to in Titanic. And mm. of course, the pioneer around there, his name was Jean Bernet, or Jean Burnett. Burnett. 
He's known as, <laughs> see, Audio Dave says Jean Burnett. I say Jean Bernet because I want to be fancy and I'm part French. Uh, he's known as the father of Chippewa County, part of the group of the people who built the first dams on the Chippewa River. As you know, when people establish towns, they put dams up, they put mills up, they start sawing lumber. And the next thing you know, you've got a town, you got a place. It's very important to acknowledge, of course, though, those who were there before Jean, 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 the Native Americans who are from the area, the Ojibwe tribe, and they're still in Chippewa Valley today. Very nice. Well, thank you, Counties Association, for allowing us to continue doing this great show. You're the best. I should also say Chippewa County is the home of uh, those rock and country festivals in Kadat oh, in yeah. the summertime. And I don't know if they're going on this year yet, but I hope to see them next year because they're a lot of fun. All right, today is the 21st of April, which means tomorrow is Earth Day. To celebrate Earth Day, we're going to talk about some of our favorite state parks and, of course, about the importance of conservation. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like given the recent news, I don't know how recent this will be for our listeners since the news tends to change every hour, but and as of late- at different times. <laughs> I know, exactly. Hopefully we didn't need another editor's note this week, but <laughs> know, who knows? Gonna... You might have already heard one. At the rate we're going, we're going to need like three editor's notes <laughs> per episode. Things change so quickly. But anyway, what's the latest news for us is that the 40 of the state parks have been closed due to corona and people not social distancing, but also I think I heard due to vandalism at many of the parks. Yeah, there was a little bit of a debate about that because they were making the state parks free for a while to give people a chance to get out and recreate. And some of those people who don't want to pay to get into a state park are happy to vandalize them when they do get in. And to those people, I have a lot of words they won't let me say on this podcast, but don't go back. (laughs) If you're going to be like that in a state park, don't go. Yeah. It was an interesting experiment (laughs) in how important funding is for people to maintain the parks and how important kind of separating people who don't want to pay for parks, how they take care of them and what happens in these spaces when they're not well managed and stuff like that. If you get in somewhere for free and you don't appreciate it, you don't deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken with people from out of state who are surprised to learn that we have fees for our parks and that they feel the state park fees are high. Um, And to me, I remember I'm surprised every time because to me, it's not much. But I guess if you're coming from a state where it's cheaper, but I agree with you guys, I think you've got to appreciate them. Yeah, I didn't see any, you know, any photos or video of the vandalism. I'm sure it's there. I, I think it's disgusting whether people are doing that during this pandemic or not. But it does, I think, certainly play into, you know, part of the topic today, which, you know, we did want to talk about conservation, just the importance of don't be a jerk. Don't be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You know, leave things like you left them, appreciate them, enjoy them, but appreciate them. And I know our listeners don't do that. So we're preaching to the choir, but there are actually some more subtle ways to conserve that I think maybe are lost on even people who care about taking care of these parks, you know, things like staying on trail. That is something that I know people, you know, they, they go off trail quite a bit and don't think much of it. And that actually does play a big role in not keeping up and not being able to maintain the parks as well. Keeping your dogs on leash, you know, that's another thing. There's, there's little things like that, that I think when people think, oh, take care of the parks, they immediately go to vandalism. And then people say, well, I would never do that. I would never graffiti a rock or anything like that. But there are more subtle things that I think 
more of the masses do take part in that they're not necessarily thinking about even stacking rocks at certain parks that can actually lead to going off trail and then creating this sort of erosion on trails and the hills and not just there's a reason why they want you to stay on, you know, certain routes and things like that. So yeah, there's a method to the madness in the state parks as to why pathways are where they are. And, you know, when they build things like handrails and benches that people deface or damage, then that's a big problem. So mm-hmm. when the state parks reopen to all, remember they're there to be enjoyed, but respected as well. Yeah. So shall we talk about some of the ones in particular? Mariah? We should. I think we should. And I was I thought I'd just start off with the facts. And unfortunately, this is going to be a point of debate right right out of the gates. And that I is disagree. An, <laughs> that is the number of state parks. So Google tells me there's 66 state park units, but I don't know if that means, you know, obviously there's parks where there's southern units and northern units and um that's true. So, Cattle Moraine, for example, has a northern and a southern right. unit. Does so, that count state recreation areas? I I don't. That's where I, I felt like the number was high because I'm tr- I've been trying to visit all of them. I know I probably mentioned that in other episodes. And mm-hmm. and in, on my count, there's about fifty two ish, I think, state parks. And that's not counting southern and that's just like the parks, the full parks in general. If that makes sense. And that does make sense because there's probably like eight to ten state recreation areas, like the Bong Recreation Area in Western Racine and Kenosha counties, and and things like that. Most of those are state parks, but there are a few of those things that are still like administered by the state, but they're not officially state parks. So yeah, there's a okay. distinction. Well, I want to start with my personal favorite state park. Mm. I know this mm. is, this was really hard for me to put in writing and say out loud. You go to all of them, Mariah. That yeah. This is, this is high praise. I know. I, I'm going to be honest though. I might change my answer down the road. I don't know. You just <laughs> never know. And I haven't it's been to everyone yet. <laughs> But I've been to most of them. And my personal favorite, after a lot of internal consideration and uh, introspection, is Interstate State Park in the St. Croix area. Interstate is actually Wisconsin's oldest state park. It was established in 1900. It comprises actually two adjacent state parks. This might be confusing to you guys if you go and research it. You're going to see that there's actually an interstate state park in Minnesota and then one right across the border here in Wisconsin. They straddle the dells of the St. Croix River, which is this deep gorge with these really funky glacial potholes and rock formations. I remember being so intrigued by, you can climb on these rocks, by the way, you climb up on them and there really are, I mean, calling them potholes. I know that's not the prettiest name for anything, (laughs) but that's what they are. And and they actually are these very ancient rock formations. I hadn't seen anything like it ever, certainly not in Wisconsin. So it just really took me by surprise. I think from this, the potholes reference is just that it's abrupt ups and downs, right? In the park. The landforms? Yes, that, but no, there's literal, these like actual little p- multiple potholes. Th- these rocks, some of them look, the tops of them look like Swiss cheese. I'm not- Really? They, <laughs> potholes is, yes. So you're right in that there are these giant rock formations, but then many of these actual individual rock formations have all of these little potholes in them. It's very bizarre looking, hmm. and they've got these really great historic are um, informational signs all over that kind of explain why these potholes are there. I don't remember the information, but I do remember learning it at the time. (laughs) 
Don't ask me the details. Another fun fact is that the Wisconsin side has over 1,300 acres, and the Minnesota side has 298. Wow. Yeah. Like, (laughs) just saying. I just loved it. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you've got these giant rocks, this beautiful river. The cool thing is that there's the sensor state parks on both sides. I remember being on the Wisconsin side, and I saw these guys rock climbing the cliffs on the Minnesota side. So it was just... Just a really unique experience. Yeah, I loved it. Great part. St. Croix River is a beautiful river. It goes through a lot of beautiful areas. And that probably is the most beautiful part around Mm -hmm. St. Croix Falls. So that was a great place for the OG State Park, right? Mm -hmm, The OG. Mm -hmm. I like it. I will pick one that has a a really ancient history. In fact, two of the ones I'm going to talk about have really old histories. And one I'm going to say is probably one that a lot of people don't know about. We actually did a little bit about it in one of the shows when we went to Ocanto in Ocanto County. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk about Copper Culture State Park, which goes back, the history of the park, of course, goes back thousands of years because it goes back to the Native Americans who were in that area. And they mined and used copper like nobody's business. It was their specialty. Mm-hmm. They used it for tools. They used it for all kinds of things. The state park is just off of US 41 and Highway 22, just on the west side of Ocanto. And they have a museum in there showing all the tools from thousands of years ago. They have a great trail system showing you uh, where they used to mine copper, where they used to pound copper on the rocks and how they would work with it. If you're interested in history, if you're interested in minerals, it's a really cool park to visit. And it's very much one that a lot of people aren't aware of. So it gives you a chance to learn about something unique in the state. I have yet to go. That would yeah, be one of my. I that would be one of my picks. That. Yeah, well, that's that, from not too far you from your your homeland, Audio Dave. What the heck was I doing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going north much, were you? <laughs> Guess not enough. Going to Krolls for a burger in the Packer games. You completely didn't go to Copper Culture mm. State Park in Ocano. <laughs> Telling you, got to remedy that. Okay, so my next one is my most underrated state park, which this was a tough one because there are a lot that I think qualify for this moniker. But the one that I'm choosing is Hartman Creek State Park in Wapaka. That's one I don't know much about, Mariah. Yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. I went up there on a whim, I don't know, last summer, the summer before I took my dog and I didn't, you know, I just... I hate to say it, but when you haven't heard of something a lot, you just kind of make these assumptions like, oh, maybe there's a reason why I haven't heard of it that much, but I couldn't have been <laughs> far further off from my, what I assumed I would be, I would be met with. It was just, first of all, a really big state park, much bigger than I had thought before going. It was about 1500 acres, very quiet. Mm. And it's on the beautiful spring-fed chain of lakes right there in Wapaka, which is definitely the coolest part. I mean, I love the water, and that area is so pretty and clear and clean. And And pristine, yeah. You get to see it right there at Hartman Creek State Park. And I also really love, I love every, anytime I come across a state park that pulls in a bit of history and there's this really cool, I actually put it, I posted a photo of it on my Instagram the a while back, but it's called the Hellstead House Log Cabin. And I, it's funny cause you're, I was hiking along for a while and it just kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just absolutely gorgeous and a really pretty setting and um, just this really beautiful 1800s log cabin. There's also Whispering Pines day use area and there's these seven lakes that kind of surround the Hartman Creek State Park area with these, like we said, crystal clear waters. And it just really is, like I said, a very underrated 
state park in an area that I don't think has a ton of state parks around it. I've talked about yeah, yeah, the Madison area. Are. Yeah, the Madison area actually has, believe it or not, I think the most number of state parks. And it's there's about a dozen in the wow. surrounding area. Yeah. Then you start going north and they start spreading out a bit more. So Wapaka is kind of in this cool little pocket of just this really beautiful scenery. And I, we had a great, me and my dog had a great time there. <laughs> well, I will talk about one that's kind of, in a sense, the opposite. And a lot of people forget it's there. And it's also probably one of the newest state parks. And that's Lakeshore State oh. Park, which is a very unique park in the sense that it's the only one that is free all year round. Although people really can't get away with doing much on it because so many of us are out there jogging on it all the time. It's right by where I live in downtown Milwaukee. And Lakeshore State Park is basically an artificial island that is just east of Summerfest. And it's on Lake Michigan. So not as pristine water as Wapaka, but I will tell you something. You get a beautiful view of downtown Milwaukee from there. You can connect to Summerfest. You can connect to the Third Ward, downtown, and all of the piers, Discovery World and the Art Museum, and all those piers that extend out over into Lake Michigan. You can go walk out on those. There's some uh, native prairie grasses that they actually imported and they grew on that island. And there's some great pathways around there. So people are constantly biking and walking and, and running around there. And it's just really cool because there is, there's a sense of history that they've imported onto this island that did not exist, I want to say, 20 years ago. Hmm. But when they set it up, they designated it a state park. And again, probably because it's in downtown Milwaukee and it's, there's no real forest on it or anything. Most state parks have forests there was really no way to collect fees for it or anything like that. So it's the only state park that is constantly accessible to the public at no charge, but it is nonetheless a state park, which yeah. I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their heads around, but it's still pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, it is. You know, actually that, that brings up a good point. I've been to state parks in other States and it is fascinating to see what other states deem a state park. And I think mm -hmm. that Wisconsin's got a pretty high bar. <laughs> yeah, our standards are better. Absolutely. They are. There, there's some states that shall remain unnamed that, you know, it, it's essentially a uh, boat launch is their state park. <laughs> so I think it's funny that Wisconsinites maybe might question Lakeshore as a state park. I love that. It, I, I like the diversity in the, in the parks that we do have here. It's not always really, you know, forested hiking paths and things of that nature. I also am personally fascinated by green spaces that are in urban areas. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people, especially, you know, those of you who live in southeastern Wisconsin are always looking for, there's actually some amazing places to go that people don't think of right outside what some might call a more urban, you know, concrete jungle. That is Milwaukee. There's some really great places to go running. And, and, and I uh, will say Lakeshore State Park, being on the water, being on Lake Michigan, it, along with the other state parks that are on Lake Michigan, lowest elevation in the state for state parks. And mm. it's very flat. I believe you love a state park that is very not flat. Oh, that is so true. Yes. <laughs> in fact, here's a state park that'll make you feel like you drove miles to get there. <laughs> That's and a that great is, title. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I had a little help with that one. Wink, wink. Wildcat <laughs> Mountain State Park in Ontario, Wisconsin, a town you've probably never heard of. It's in the Driftless. A beautiful area. It's on a steep ridge overlooking the scenic Kickapoo River Valley. Mm -hmm. The views, okay, I'll be honest. I, and this is also why I named Interstate State Park earlier. I'm a sucker for a state park with some phenomenal views. And Wildcat Mountain State Park has got them for sure. There's 
of course, plenty of hiking trails with these amazing vistas, a lot of great campsites. And it's actually a really wonderful park for those of you who prefer to explore via horseback. You can actually rent a canoe in Ontario or bring your own and make your way down the winding Kickapoo River, also known as the crookedest river in the world. Yes. <laughs> I was going to chime in with that, but I knew you had it. Well, I think we... I knew you knew that. I was like, I think that might be a cabin an official cabin fact. We need to start like some cabin podcast facts that we've yes, we brought do. up in some <laughs> former. Are you on it, Ellen? I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I also feel like working on this podcast is just filling out my summer bucket list because oh, I good. feel like every episode we talk about things and I'm like, I've never done that. I've never been there. So <laughs> thank you, Mariah and Eric. You are welcome. Uh, yeah, Wildcat Mountain is an exceptionally cool place. When you drive on Highway 33 through there, for example, you're uh, on hairpin turns. You feel like you're in I, Colorado. It's yeah, crazy. you do. And you're going way under the speed limit, not because you have to, because you want to, because that's how pretty <laughs> the views are there. Absolutely true. I have another state park in mind, but I'm actually going to get to it when we talk about the upcoming episode and the behind the scenes, because it's actually right where we're setting our next episode so mm. i will uh, go ahead and defer my final state park to the behind the scenes section if that's I'm cool intrigued. with you intrigued all right well this episode of the cabin is sponsored by group health trust on our blog which is called the bobber we publish a lot of stories from health professionals covering a wide range of topics especially important now now this month we shared a blog from sky bowman who is a children's mental health advocate What's now, the French version of Sky Bowman's name? Sky Bowman. <laughs> Thank oh. you so much. Oui, oui, Ron, je m'appelle. <laughs> je m'appelle Eric. Okay, fine. Uh, so <laughs> Sky's article talks about things to look out for when it comes to children's mental health. You know, kids are going through so much growing up. There's a lot of treatments for depression, a lot of things to watch for in treatments for lifestyle changes that parents can make that will positively impact their children. So if you check this blog out now on the Bobber at bobber.discoverwisconsin.com, you can learn so much. And we also share tons of blogs about travel ideas, day trips, and some of our favorite destinations, because let's face it, kids like to travel around and explore and learn too. behind the scenes segment today is all about this weekend's new episode of Discover Wisconsin. And we visited a ton of amazing places in Johnson Creek, or is it Crick? Dun, I heard dun, a lot dun. of both. Ooh, dun, dun, dun <gasps> is right. Which is it? What's your Well, vote? in the show, you're going to hear Crick more than once. Yeah. Although I say Creek. I say Creek, say creek. but <laughs> it does seem like the natives uh, to Johnson Creek say Crick, but... So, and you when know, I was little growing up, we called it a crick. You know, yeah. a lot of creeks were called cricks. Johnson Creek. Johnson. I definitely say Johnson Creek, but I mean, if the locals are saying crick, I feel like I've got to change the way I've been saying it all these years. Am I going to go with creek because that was the official title in the episode? All right. Well, what'd you do? <laughs> In this episode of Johnson we, Creek Crick. We actually did a lot of stuff. It's funny with Johnson Creek because a lot of people know it as kind of the halfway point between Milwaukee and Madison on I-94, and it is. But that's one of the reasons it became a crossroads, if you will, and they call themselves a crossroads with a future because they're really starting to grow up now more around just being a main crossroads. Before they built the interstate, Johnson Creek was a big crossroads because Highway 26 goes north-south through there. That connects you know, Beloit and Janesville with the Fox Valley area. And before I-94 was built, Highway 30 came through there as a two-lane road. So it was always a big 
major crossroads. So you had things like restaurants and, and hotels and things like that there. But more recently, a while ago, they built the Johnson Creek out, uh, premium outlets. And that's what a lot of people know Johnson Creek for now. Big fan, big fan. Big complex of stores. Yeah, it's actually, it's a fun place to go. It's easy to get to from both Milwaukee and Madison. So a lot of people love to go there and spend the day or part of a day shopping around there. They have over 60 stores and they're all really good stores. Remember when and, we could go shopping? Uh, Those were shopping. the days. Shopping. Oh. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. That's true. You're making me sad now. Thanks for making it uh, so negative, Mariah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, negative Nancy here. <laughs> but we, yeah, we hit up a whole bunch of places, uh, including <laughs> the Lint Chocolate Outlet, which mm. is the only one of its kind in the state. And that is one of the most delicious sweet shoots I've been on in a long time. Oh, it, I bet. It looks pretty I got great. to try chocolates and truffles and all this stuff of all these different kinds. And it was phenomenally delicious. My question to you is, did you actually get to keep all those chocolates you were piling into that bag? I, well, I bought a lot of them, yes. You had to buy them yourself? The production <laughs> crew let, didn't buy them for you? Come on. They let me sample a few, but yeah, I mean, well, I don't you know, I don't like to grab handfuls of stuff and go, hey, I'm on TV. Can I have this? No. That's where you that, and I so. are different. <laughs> Eric, there were a bunch of sweet shoots on this episode, right? Well, <laughs> what? Sweet. I'm talking about the pine cone. Come on. I think Sweet. our producer is trying to give you a softball oh, transition here. Oh, that, that was hilarious. That one just hurt me so bad. I will tell you something, Ellen. Cut this in post. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not getting cut. I, I wasn't done talking about all the stores at the premium outlets. He wasn't finished, Ellen. Because we went to La Crusette. <laughs> Which I is was finished. I'm trying to keep us all on a schedule, guys. Okay. But <laughs> oh, I will tell you this. Gosh. Right in front of the premium outlets, and also a popular stop if you're going shopping there, is the legendary Pine Cone, a favorite of Ellen's, a favorite <laughs> of mine, and so many people I know who travel between the two cities, and, and long-distance truckers, too. They love stopping at the Pine Cone. I've never been there, but it looks so amazing. Good. Have you ever even lived if you have I, not been? I, I guess I'm telling you, you have not lived if you haven't <laughs> been to the Pine Cone. I love yeah. this place. It's crazy. And, as, you know, as we speak with all the quarantine stuff and businesses being shut down, they're offering food for takeout. But when all this is done, you go in there. It is going to be great because it's not only a great place. It's kind of like a typical breakfast diner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, diner place. But they have just shelves full of incredibly delicious sweets and bakery. And the sweets part, Ellen, is where you're making your transition. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and they have cinnamon rolls as big as your head. They have cookies that are decorated all sorts of ways, six ways to Sunday. And when you see the episode on Johnson Creek, you will get an example of just how huge these foods are. Was that a cream puff that you that you got? One of the things I ate in the show, in fact, I think it's the only one that made the final cut because I did have like a delicious eggs, bacon, sausage, toast breakfast, but mm. I ate a cream puff uh, while I was talking with the manager. And uh, I'll tell you something, it was hard to keep some of that stuff off my face. Well, I was actually waiting to ask you, did you know that you had a little bit of whipped cream on your chin no. when you were doing that whole interview? When I, when I first watched the choice? episode... 
Well, the stuff on my nose. Creative choice. The cream puff stuff on my nose was a creative choice because you know when there's something on your nose. Yeah. But part of the interview, I was talking with him. There was a little dot of cream on my lip, (laughs) and I did not know it was there. So I'm watching the show, and I'm like, our producer Brian. I was like, Brian, why didn't you tell me? Because I didn't want it there at that moment. I want cream puff on my face when I want cream puff on my face. Not when I don't know it's there. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was unaware uh, for most of that interview That's that funny. there was cream puff on my face. It looked delicious, <laughs> though. Cream puffs are always delicious. And the nice part is you don't have to wait for State Fair to enjoy a cream puff when you go to the pine cone. There you go. Now, across the street, there was another really cool place that is in the show, and that's Highway Harry's, which is a steakhouse. It's it's a little more fancy than the pine cone. <laughs> And it's actually this cool building designed by a protege of Frank Lloyd Wright's, which oh, is a very really? popular thing in Wisconsin. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's not upscale. It's just nicer. So it's, it's casual when you go there, but it's nice. And they have a wide variety of meals, great brunch, great dinners, uh, great wine list and more. And so you can enjoy a good meal or a good drink while you kind of marvel at the architecture there. And they're literally the pine cone and highway Harry's are across the street from each other, right across highway 26 from each other, both just North of uh, I-94. So, you know, depending on what you're in the mood for, depending on what time of day or night it is, you can enjoy a darn good meal. Yes. Right there's there. been roughly five road references since you started chatting about Johnson Creek. I want Counting. people to know and where I hasn't listened to a single other word you said. <laughs> I'm over here keeping tally of all the highway references. I know we're virtual, Mariah, but your eye rolls are visible. <laughs> so also in the show, we checked out things like breathe salt and sauna, which I say in the show, technically it should be breathe salt and sauna. Oh, if one of sauna. my friends. Fin- yeah, one oh, of my no. Finnish friends always corrects me on this. It's you have a Finnish it's friend. It's not sauna. It's sauna. I'm like, okay, fine. Huh. Uh, but either way, it's relaxing, no matter how you pronounce it, and it really is a great getaway place. So you went in like a salt room there. Yeah, I did that for the Dell's show, and that was so interesting. We were actually, I don't know how it worked for you guys filming wise, but I remember we were very concerned for our GoPros we had in there because the salt in the air. They were worried was going to like ruin something. Yeah, GoPros can handle a lot, but salt is not. You can take a GoPro and drop it from an airplane. You can take a GoPro and dredge it in a lake going 100 miles an hour on a speedboat. You, you put it in you a get salt, salt spot. In it, yeah, it's done. Well, salt can, yeah, it can be very, it could be like everyone's worst enemy when it comes to like gear and equipment and stuff. But I mean, it's salt. very good to clear out your senses. And I know in that way, it, it, the salt rooms are very helpful for people, I think, with like asthma and like different breathing issues. Yeah. Salt is kryptonite to a GoPro, but it can be very good and nourishing for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, skin complications, breathing discomfort and all that, kind of that water and salt water. I think that's why a lot of people love going by the ocean. Yeah. Um, it, it can really help. And uh, they also offer aromatherapy and chromotherapy and all kinds of other wellness things, which is nice. Yeah. And, and that's right there in Johnson Creek or Crick. <laughs> uh, also, if now for outdoor sports, particularly hunting and motorsports, Johnson Creek is a great place to check out. They have places like Milford Hills, which we visited in the show. Now, Milford Hills is a hunting club and they're, you know, they have hunting. There's a lodge there and you can dine. And it's really, really cool because they have a lot of great grounds that you can go there and hunt and enjoy. And 
if you love jumping on an ATV yep. or a snowmobile in the wintertime, mm-hmm. riding around for motorsports and power sports, Johnson Creek is becoming a mecca. Really? Because you have in a, like, in fact, right off I-94, you can see several of the places that are there. You have Rock River Power Sports, which is right in front of the Gobbler, which is right off the freeway. Mm-hmm. You have Cycle Trader, which freeway. is Rock I did mention it. <laughs> Cycle Trader, Rock River, Yamaha, Supercross, and Motocross team, which is there. And we, we talked with them, and they, they do all this riding. And then uh, John Hartwig Motorsports, they offer a lot of snowmobiling products. And then Rob's Performance Motorsports. These places are all within a mile or two of wow. each other. And uh, actually, at Rob's, we went there and had ourselves a very fun time because I got to browse all this stuff, and I talked with them about everything. But then we went out in a UTV. And we really hauled around the place. And I don't know if the GoPro, the poor GoPro, maybe it got exposed to salt before. The battery didn't last through my ride with uh, with Rob. Oh, no. There was one scene where it would have been one of the funniest parts of the show had it made it, but the GoPro's <laughs> battery didn't last. He took me on this ride through this field. He hit 80 miles an hour at one point. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, hit the brakes and skidded and did all this crazy stuff. Yikes. And I enjoyed it, except I love control. If I'm driving and doing that, I love it. Sure. If I'm in the passenger seat, you know, <laughs> I'm like, out. I'm freaking out. I'm trying to hold everything in. But... Uh, <laughs> It oh, was, I wish that GoPro footage would yeah, have made yeah. it. But there, there's some footage I'm driving, and it, and it looks pretty cool. So for, for motorsports and power sports, it's great. Now, one place you don't want to go out and tear up is uh, a very historic place. And this gets back to the state parks conversation that we were having before, Mariah. Mm-hmm. The other state park that I had in my back pocket, but we explore it vigorously in this Johnson Creek episode, is Aztalan State Park. Super cool state park. It is actually a National Historic Landmark, and it was designated that way back in 1964, although its history goes way back before that because it was actually a Native American town, and it's an archaeological site now. It was established around 1050 A.D. Mm -hmm. or so. Records are a little spotty from then. But, (laughs) you know, the Native Americans who were around there, they held events, and they had a town there, and it was really cool. And there's there's an event called Aztalan Day which celebrates that. And if you ever go there, it's really cool because there's these big mounds that you can climb up and, and explore and check out carefully, cautiously respecting the land. But you really get an amazing sense of what used to be there. And that's right along the Rock River. So you can just really get a sense of what it was like, you know, nearly a thousand years ago Crazy. living in this area. So cool. Two other things we checked out in the episode, and I, I realized I'm the only host in this episode. That's not a common thing. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun. We were we were checking out trails like the Glacial Drumlin Trail. Johnson Creek is the crossroads of major roads, but it's also the crossroads of a lot of trails, biking and hiking trails and snowmobile trails, which is one of the reasons all the power sports companies uh, love to have a place there. But the Glacial Drumlin, it's a great trail that's on a former rail line that connects Waukesha with Cottage Grove near Madison. And Johnson Creek is really the center point of that. And so it's really cool to stop in Johnson Creek. And then you really have kind of your pick of where to go on that trail. And so we talked with a riding group from Trek. Uh, You know, they, you know, Trek's right up in Waterloo right near there. And they love to use that trail and ride that trail. And you can learn a lot more about fun uses of the trail with them. And so the glacial drumlin goes east-west. What goes north to south is the Rock River, which is one of the reasons Johnson Creek is there. 
And we did a great thing called the Founders Float. It was so much fun. And it harkens back to the history. Timothy Johnson is the namesake of Johnson Creek. And he came down from Watertown, which in the mid-1800s was a significantly major Wisconsin city. He went about 10 miles down the Rock River and founded Johnson Creek, today's Johnson Creek. So the Founders Float event recreates that. And so people get in their kayaks or their canoes or whatever, and they launch from near Watertown, and then they follow that same route down into Johnson Creek. So we went up and down uh, the river right there. And uh, boy, it was just, it was really beautiful because you're so used to Johnson Creek being so busy and you're on the interstate or whatever. When you're on the Rock River floating up and down, you even go under I-94 and everything. And it's a totally different perspective. And it's really, yeah. really cool. And uh, shout out to Brian, by the way. He got two shots of me uh, where I actually look cool. I know, I know. <laughs> What a most feat. of the time, yeah, I know. Most of the time, especially because the camera adds ten pounds. Most of the time, I look like I need to eat less pie. When I was in that kayak, I'm flipping the paddle around. I'm like flinging my jacket off to the side. He did a slow mo. <laughs> oh, Shout out geez. to Brian for actually Brian making me look the almost producer cool. of this episode. Brian yes. Mosenian, yes. yes. So, and then uh, it was really cool with Andy with his uh, drone because we got a lot of beautiful drone footage of the area. It showed Andy at the end too, catching his drone. And so you're going to want to watch the end credits on this too. Nice. Yeah, I've got to go watch it. I love the the idea that you said Timothy Johnson mm -hmm. just one day decided, you know what? I'm done with this town. I'm just going to go ride down the river. This looks like a good spot. I'll, I'll just set up <laughs> camp here. And it was funny back then. If you, yeah, back then you could establish your own town. That's How amazing. cool would that be? Oh, right? Gosh. Can you imagine what Mariah City or Paulsonville would be like? Amazing. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that you said Paulsonville. Like, I feel like you've thought about this before. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I just made it up, but I like the idea of it. <laughs> He's so got Johnsonville, an entire, but it's Paulsonville. He's got a business plan behind him right now. Here's how the city would function. He's got the constitution Actually, drafted on his phone in the notes app. I have troops amassed at the border ready to conquer the land. I'm eyeing for it right now. All right. I'm kidding on that. But please don't forget to leave a review of, uh, of our podcast, even though we're not doing Wisconsin in 72 still. But that's not our fault, is it? Nope. A lot of events are being postponed, canceled, or rescheduled, and we will, of course, keep you updated. If you have any things. events that are happening remotely over the internet, please let us know. Absolutely. We'll highlight them. Post yeah, like your cool. events in Around the Campfire, our Facebook group. There cool you go. virtual events. Mm -hmm. I would attend. We also welcome comments like from Kohler78918, who said, thank you for this content, dreaming of all the places we can go when all this stuff is over. Aww. And so are we. And we mm -hmm. hope you're filling out a bucket list for the summer and fall and beyond. And leave us a review because we might just read it in an episode. We will read it on an episode if it's good. Okay, we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is uh, this is a dozen episodes, y'all. You guys, wow! I know it's crazy, right? <laughs> We're going for a baker's dozen next time. Episode thirteen, lucky episode thirteen. Mm, that's my favorite number. <laughs> is it really? Yep. Nice. Oh wait, you were born on the thirteenth, weren't <laughs> you? That's right. That's right. I remember that now. <laughs> How many episodes until the majority of our episodes have been remote? When did we start oh. doing this? I think episode ten was our first. Nine or yeah, 10. 10, 10 was our first remote one, I want to say. That's, that's it? That's going to be a very strange milestone. It seems, it feels like we've been doing this forever. 
It I miss the cabin feel- so much. It takes us longer to set I up do, the virtual. You know what? So. I was just thinking before this that I will not take for granted our setup, the cabin setup that we have at the office, because setting this up every time is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss the cabin studio. I miss it. Oh, me too. We will return we'll, we'll, eventually. We'll re- reunite, yes. Someday. Next week for episode 13 from our virtual cabins. We're going to be talking about some cool caves throughout the state. So we're going to go from <gasps> virtual cabins to real caves. And I think you're going to be surprised by just how many caves there are in this state. Hmm. And of course, our behind the scenes segment will cover another new episode of Discover Wisconsin when we're going to be, as I always am, filled with dairy. <laughs> Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by me, Mariah Haberman, Eric Paulson, and Dave Janis, plus Ellen Fallon. Produced by me, Ellen, and Dave. Tune in next week for more campfire conversations and insight into the world of Discover Wisconsin. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover Media Works. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave us a review. And here's this week's installment of Know Your Wisconsin. Walking tours are a great low-cost way to get outside, learn about a community, and see a variety of interesting places and things. And no matter where you are in Wisconsin, you're probably not too far from one. In northern Wisconsin, the city of Ashland offers a walking tour that combines history and art. I do mural tours, and quite often the tourists will say to me when they're done, Oh my goodness, I didn't know Ashland had such fabulous history. And I tell them, your community has fabulous history. You just haven't paid attention to it. Burlington in southeast Wisconsin is another city that has opened the door for visitors to come and explore the community's past and present. Don and his team at the Historical Society have done a fantastic job of putting together a walking tour that any average citizen can do on their own. It provides details of what they're looking at, as well as like the steps of where you should go. In addition to historical and art-themed tours, there's also walking tours that focus on food, architecture, and even ghost stories, like this one in Whitewater. Wisconsin communities have so many important stories to tell, and walking tours let people discover them at their own pace. People will say to me, well, you should be painting in New York or Chicago. No, people from Chicago should be coming here and finding out what the history of a small town is like. And now you know your Wisconsin.